If you have your Bible, I would encourage you to turn to Matthew chapters 27 and 28. Uh, We're going to take a little one-week break from our series in Hebrews 11 just to look at the Gospels and to read the story of the first Easter. And so I'm going to read you some selections from both of those chapters. If you don't have your Bible, uh, it's printed out for you right there in the worship bulletin. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those who were with him guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, Surely this was the Son of God. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were as white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God on this Easter Sunday. Isn't that a great story? I think no matter how many times we read the story, uh, it should come across to us with a tremendous amount of drama. It's a dramatic event. Uh, In fact, that's what I want to point out today uh, in our Easter message. Uh, Did you notice how often in Matthew's telling of the story, he mentions somebody being afraid or terrified? Uh, Several times, the, the guards and the centurions, it says, were terrified and they shook inside. In fact, it says with a lot of uh, kind of ironic, uh, Jesus, the dead man came alive and the alive men became like dead men, right? Did you notice that? Amazing thing. Uh, The women as well, the the ones who were the first to witness, you know, with their own eyes, the resurrection of Jesus. It says they too were afraid. And the angel came to them, and then Jesus later came to them, and both of them delivered the same message. Do not be afraid. Why do you think it was that the first Easter was so filled with fear? I mean, mean, after all, I I don't think uh, that would be what we would wake up this morning thinking. Easter equals fear. Or terror. (laughs) Uh, Easter, after all, is the the holiday with bunnies. 
and pastel colors, and it's cute, it's cuddly, all that kind of stuff, eggs, brightly decorated. It's a cute holiday. It's a, it's a sweet, gentle holiday, right? Well, why is everybody terrified 2,000 years ago on the first Easter Sunday? Well, Matthew makes it really clear why, doesn't he? He tells us that uh, both at Jesus' death and at his resurrection, some pretty scary things were happening, right? Literally, the earth shook both times. There was an earthquake. They saw a dead man, a man who had been dead, evacuate the tomb. Uh, which if you put your, just put yourself in that situation this morning and think about what it would be like to, to bear witness to that. Whether you're on the centurion side or whether you're on the, the side of these women who followed Jesus, no matter what, you would be pretty scared if you saw that. In other words, Easter is not just simply a day of cuddly bunnies and brightly decorated eggs. Easter is a day that shakes the world. And it ought to be a day that shakes your life and that shakes my life. And so if you look at your bulletin this morning, I want you to see three things. Very simple today. I want to keep it simple. First of all, I want you to see the earth shook on the first Easter. Then I want you to see that means the earth is still shaking. And then lastly, I want you to see the earth will shake again. The earth shook. The earth is still shaking and the earth will shake again because of the resurrection of Jesus. First of all, the earth shook. Let's just think about that, that, that event that Matthew uh, is recalling. I think it helps us understand really the meaning of the day. Uh, you can lose the meaning of Easter if it's all about bunnies and eggs and things like that. Not that bunnies are wrong, you know, but bunnies are God's creation. Wonderful creatures, right? And it's good to celebrate springtime with all the colorful, all the colorful flowers and, and colors, bright pastels. But all of that can make you miss what's going on 2,000 years ago. The earthquake that happened when Jesus died. Did you notice what the earthquake caused? Uh, that's why I read that part there in, in chapter 27, uh, verse 50, 51, and 52. Because it shows you why it was God chose to shake the world and by the way, it was God that chose to shake the world, right? I mean, uh, in the ancient world, that they would have, I think, more quickly drawn that conclusion. Uh, if you read any ancient writer, uh, not just in the Bible, but, you know, just generally, uh, you will always notice earthquakes are seen as signs from heaven by everybody, no matter what religion they were in. When the earth started shaking, they realized God was talking. <laughs> God was doing something. And you say, well, that's, that's a crazy belief. We know today that earthquakes are caused by you know, t you know, plates that are rubbing together in the geology of the world. Yes, we do know that. But does that dismiss the fact that when the earth shakes, you ought to hear the voice of your maker? I don't think so. I think they understood something a little bit deeper, perhaps, a little bit more accurately than we did. Everybody, even the Roman centurion, who would not have known God from Adam's house cat, right? He was a pagan. And yet, when the earth shook, he was terrified and he made that statement, surely this must have been the Son of God. When the earth shook at Jesus' death, two things happened, two very, very huge things. First of all, the veil in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The Bible tells you that in, in the temple there were different levels of God's presence. There was the most holy place, there was the holy place, and then there was the outer court. And the veil that it's talking about separated the most holy place where God sat 
on the, the Ark of the Covenant with the cherubim, the two angels overshadowing God's presence there. That's where God sat in the most holy place. The veil separated that from everything else. And that veil was a symbol that you and I cannot get access to God apart from his mercy and grace. And so only the high priests could go in beyond that veil and only he could go once a year and he could only go with the blood of a sacrifice in his hands to sprinkle the altar, sprinkle the Ark of the Covenant that was there behind that veil. But when Jesus died, the earth shook and the veil was torn. The second thing that happened, this is amazing too. Maybe you didn't know this about Easter. This is a detail of the story that we don't talk about very much. But when Jesus died and the earthquake happened, graves started to bust open. Uh, now, back then, you know, people didn't hardly ever buried anyone under the ground. They buried them in caves, especially in Israel. Uh, it's a very rocky country. There are caves everywhere. You would cut a hole in the, in the mountain or you know, take a natural cave bury your loved ones in there, and roll a huge stone over the top of the opening to the cave. And sometimes you would cement it there. You would seal the stone so that no grave robbers could come in and take away your, your loved ones. Well, when the earthquake happened, a lot of those stones began to crack all around Jerusalem. And it says, amazingly, this is something you might not have, have thought about or realized, but amazingly, those opened up tombs, when Jesus rose from the dead, people who had believed before came alive along with Jesus, came out of those tombs and appeared to their loved ones, at least for a time, just as a sign that, hey, what Jesus is doing is something big. What was the meaning of all these earthquakes, of all this stuff busting up? When Jesus rose, there was another earthquake. The angel came and rolled back his tomb and busted it and sat on it. And Jesus came tearing out. Why did God shake the world? God shook the world to remind us and to teach us that the resurrection of Jesus has cosmic implications. Cosmic implications. Do you, you understand what I mean by that? The resurrection of Jesus is not just a single display of power. Uh, a one-time, one-off event. The resurrection of Jesus is connected to the very meaning of all of life that God designed in this world. It, it's, the, it's the fulfillment of all of God's promises. It, it's the time where God himself, in fact, is breaking into the world that he made as if he were like tearing heaven open and stepping down into the world to stake his claim, to plant his flag again in the world that he had made but yet had been overtaken by rebellion and sin. The resurrection of Jesus has cosmic implications. That's why, y'all, we, we can't just think about Easter as bunnies and uh, eggs and cute little things that are easy to approach. Easter is something that ought to kind of strike a little fear in the heart, uh, just like it did in the original you know, audience that saw it, because this is a, this is a reminder. God is doing something big. Uh, kids, you may, have, uh, you may have watched the Avengers movies. Uh, and maybe some of you adults have. I know I have with my son. He loves them. And in the last two movies, you remember the Infinity Gauntlet that Thanos gets? It's this old artifact, and he, he puts on this glove. And this glove is so powerful that the wearer of the glove, when he snaps his fingers, can get whatever he wants. He just has to snap his fingers. And, of course, Thanos, you know, what he wants is half the world to be destroyed. He has this vision of... 
we got to thin the population and control the world. And so he's the villain. He, put, he wants to put on the glove and snap his fingers so that every, you know, everything gets destroyed. But then in the end, remember what happens? Iron Man comes, steals the gauntlet, puts it on. And in his mind, he has a vision of something good. He has a vision not of destruction, but of salvation. And so he snaps his fingers at the end, and Thanos and his army immediately wiped out. I thought about that scene as I was reading what Matthew describes. That's exactly Kids, if you want to get a picture of what's going on, it's as if Adam wore the infinity gauntlet, and when he snapped his fingers and sinned, it destroyed everything. But then Jesus came. And Jesus brought all the power of God behind him, but became a human being just like Adam had been, just like you are, just like I am. And when he rose from the dead, it was as if he snapped his fingers and everything that had been broken came alive. Like we read in the quote at the beginning of the service, Jesus unlocked a door that had been locked since the death of the first man. He unlocked a door that you can't ever unlock. The door of death, the door of judgment, the door of suffering and misery. Jesus came into the world to cause it all to work backwards, to bring life, to bring healing, to bring hope. Y'all, there cannot be any neutral ground when it comes to Easter. You can't just sit with it and be like, oh yeah, Easter, that's cool. No, Easter is this thing that you've got to either say, no, that's ridiculous. I'll never believe that. Or something that says, man, my whole life now is changed because of Easter. Jesus was doing a cosmic thing. Now, I don't know what you think this morning. If you're here or you're watching in, I don't know what you think happened on the first Easter, whether you believe what Matthew is telling us or not. But I want you to at least see this morning that if you're trying to be uncommitted with God, if you're trying to live your life neutral, like Switzerland in World War II when it comes to God, you can't do it. He won't let you do it. A, a day of reckoning will come. One day. We don't know when, but one day a day of reckoning will come. You cannot sit, sit neutrally with God. He demands a response. We sang in the song a minute ago, when Jesus came out of the tomb, he was a roaring lion. The one who had been a lamb slain on the cross just a couple days before became a roaring lion. You cannot be neutral about a roaring lion when he's coming at you. That is not a very good position to be in. you got to choose one side or the other, for him or against him. I would, I would encourage you, whatever it is you believe or you think you believe, this Easter, do yourself a favor. Go back and read these stories. Get yourself quiet before the Lord and ask him, God, which side am I on? And Lord, give me the grace to bring me onto the side of the roaring lion. The earth shook, y'all, on the first Easter. It shook. It shook twice. It, it tore a veil. It, it made a way into the presence of God. It broke the tombs. It, it reversed death. It shook. But I want you to see, secondly, the earth is still shaking. Because of Jesus' resurrection. The earth is still shaking. Uh, it tells us, uh, Matthew tells us that um, the fear that came on the people when they, when they saw the earth shake and saw Jesus raised was of various kinds, okay? I want you to follow me here. There are different kinds of fear. Uh, there is a good kind of fear. There's a bad kind of fear, right? Uh, fear can lead you in good directions and positive directions, but fear can also lead, leave you in negative directions, 
Uh, just think about something that we all know as Floridians. Hurricanes. Uh, should you be afraid of hurricanes? Yeah, right? It, it would be actually kind of crazy if you had zero fear or respect for a hurricane. Because uh, hurricanes are such powerful things. You've you got to have some kind of healthy respect or fear for it. But you can have an over-fear of hurricanes, right? And a lot of people do. A lot of people say, man, I would never live in Florida ever. I, I won't even visit Florida <laughs> during the summertime because I am terrified of a hurricane. But then us, you know, we love Florida, don't we? Or at least most of us probably do. Maybe you feel stuck here, but uh, <laughs> a lot of us love this place. And although we have a healthy fear of hurricanes, we're still committed to live here because we love the place. The fear just helps us learn how to get better prepared for it when it comes. It teaches us to be wise. Do you notice the centurions, the, the Roman centurion and the guard, when they're afraid, what happens? It says simply they're terrified in chapter 27, verse 54, that made them immediately say, surely this is the Son of God. But the story continues. They forget all about it. That fear wears off in quickly, right, on the next day. It tells us in chapter 28 that though they were terrified and shook and became like dead men, in a part that we didn't read right after, before Easter Sunday was up, those centurions and guards were accepting bribes. To lie about what they had seen. What happened? They were terrified. They shook. They became like dead men when they saw it. But y'all, it quickly wore off. And they were able to just go through life business as usual. There, and a lot of people are like this. Their fear of God, a lot of people's fear of God, leads them away from God rather than towards him. It wears off quick. It comes and goes. It makes them shake while they're maybe hearing a message, but then they go away and they forget all about it. Or, or maybe even worse, it causes them to develop a kind of allergy against God. Yeah, have you ever been allergic to God in your heart? <laughs> Where you just don't want to get too close to him? You don't want to open up the Bible too often because you're afraid of what might happen? You see, that's what God is doing. God is always, all the time, shaking the world ever since the resurrection of Jesus. And people's response a lot of times is like these guards and like this centurion. But notice the women, the women who came and saw the tomb. They were afraid, it says, but what did they do? Their fear didn't immediately wear off. They didn't go through life business as usual. Instead, Jesus invited them to live a whole new life and they did it. Jesus said to them, or, or the angel at first said, go and tell the disciples to meet me in Galilee. And then the angel said, I know you're looking for Jesus, but Jesus is not here anymore. I mean, isn't that an amazing statement? Get out of the cemetery. Get out of the graveyard because living people don't hang out in cemeteries. And Jesus is alive. And these women, it says, look, look at the statement there. Uh, it's there in verse... Um, well, I lost it, but it's there somewhere. <laughs> you can find it. Uh, where it says, uh, the women were filled with fear, and yet, at the same time, they were filled with great joy. Did you see that? They were filled with great joy. And the word that's used there is very interesting. The word for fear is just the same word used about the guards and about the centurions. But then the word for joy is a word that, that has an adjective attached to it. It literally says mega joy. It literally says mega joy. The word mega is a Greek word. Mega joy. 
The guards were afraid and they shook like dead men, but it was just a fear. There was nothing else mixed with it. And so it faded away and they went on business as usual. They lived life their own way and they were stubborn. And so they accepted bribes on Easter night to tell a lie so that no one would believe what they had seen. And yet the women had a fear that was mixed with mega joy because they knew and loved the one who had risen from the dead. And so even though they were afraid, their joy you know, kind of trumped their fear. You know, their, their, joy, their joy kind of reigned over their fear and led them to go do what Jesus told them to do, which was to share the good news and to go and make preparations to actually meet with Jesus together with the disciples. Isn't that amazing? Now you say, well, how is God shaking the world today? In all kinds of ways. And I, I wonder, have you ever felt God shake you? Right? Here's just a few ways that he does it. Uh, one, just the glory of creation. Uh, liter- hurricanes, for example, and natural disasters and earthquakes and sickness and uh, the beauty of, of a great day like today. The, just the beauty of creation around you. Have you ever seen that beauty or felt the power of nature and just felt inside your maker was putting his finger on you? The Bible says God does that. Day after day, night after night, he uses creation to speak into our hearts, to shake us. Same thing is true with with the things that happen in our lives. Uh, Tragic things and good blessings and uh, injuries and losses and all those kinds of things. God is using those to shake us. Isn't that right? He's using those to to communicate to us. But it's also true that he he speaks directly into our hearts in, in what we call the conscience. Have you ever felt God speaking in your conscience? Where where he's bringing to you the the sense that he's real and that one day he's going to hold you accountable. And and, and maybe that that dark feeling that you're guilty. That dark feeling that you've got something to be ashamed of and that you won't be able to stand before God. You won't be able to come through the curtain that separates you from the Lord. God speaks in all those ways. But here's how he really shakes the world through his word. Through his word. Some of y'all have experienced this. You're reading the Bible and suddenly you stop hearing just a book talking back to you. And you become convinced at a deep part of who you are that your maker is addressing you personally. Sometimes it happens in a Bible study. Sometimes when you're just reading on your own. A lot of times it happens in church when when the Bible's read or or is being preached or explained. And you just know God is there. God is, is talking to you personally. Guess what? That's God shaking you. And the same responses that were there on the first Easter are the same responses that we have before us to choose. Uh, Either, A, we're going to be like the centurions who get terrified for a moment and then go about our business and live life as as usual and forget that God is even real. Uh, Or we're going to be like the disciples, the women who who were there at that tomb on the first Easter. And the shaking is going to shake us at the core. And God, by his grace, is going to mix in with that, that shaking and that fear, great joy. Great peace, great love, great, great delight in who God is. This morning, I encourage you to think of how right now in your life you're being shaken by this God. This God who made you, this God who raised his son Jesus from the dead. And I wonder, 
Have you turned away from life your way to embrace his way? That's what it's all about. That's what the women did, didn't they? They turned away from life their way. The, the centurion refused to do that. For them, that they had seen something that terrified them, but it was enough for them just to, just to forget it. The women turned away from life their way to embrace God's way. That's the call of Easter. Uh, God shook the world and he's still shaking it. And that means you and I cannot continue to live life as if he's not real. If we do, there will certainly be consequences for that. If we don't, there's also consequences, good consequences, great joy, right? right? This, 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 desi- this ability to experience in your own heart the good news of what Easter is all about. So much more than cute, cuddly things. The cosmic shaking of all that is evil. The overturning of all that is bad and the bringing to life all that is good. The earth shook. The earth is shaking. And y'all, I want you to see the earth will shake again. Uh, Easter was a preview right? It was a preview of a coming attraction. You say, well, man, Easter is a pretty amazing attraction in itself. Yep, it was. And it was a, you know, an awesome event. It was the most awesome event, I believe, in the history of the world. But yet, Easter was just a preview of an even greater event to come that Jesus often spoke about. And Jesus spoke about it with his disciples and with us so that when we see what happened on Easter, the earth shaking, the tombs being broken open, the veil being torn into, when we see that, we would know just as surely as God did that 2,000 years ago, what Jesus, that same one who raised, what he promised is going to happen in the future will actually happen. Don't you know there's going to be a bigger shaking one day? The Bible says there's coming a day when God will shake not just the earth, but he'll shake heaven. And he'll shake it once more, meaning that's the last time he's going to shake it, meaning it won't need to be shaken because everything that can be shaken will be shaken completely down to the foundations. And all that will remain are those things that cannot be shaken, the Bible says. That's referring to the second coming of Christ. When the women uh, you know, clung to Jesus' feet and they began to worship him, there in chapter 28, uh, verse 10, and verse 9 and 10, another gospel writer tells us that Jesus told him, don't cling to me. Don't hang on to me because I've got to go to my father and then you'll be able to hang on to me when I come back from my father. And that coming back from the father that Jesus promised, which is in all of our futures, that coming back is going to be the day when the veil is going to be torn forever right? The Bible says that heaven is a world of face-to-face interaction between God and his people. No more separation, no more sin, uh, no more tears, no more mourning, no more pain, no more death, no more breakdown of the body. God's going to really, really shake the world. He's going to shake it so much it reverses. It, It becomes opposite of what it is. Because the world is, isn't it a place of a good deal of death and suffering and misery? And if you really begin to think about it, it's actually hard to dwell on that very long when you start to think about the amazing amount of suffering that fills our world. And yet, Jesus says, I'm going to shake all that down. And I'm going to bring a new creation in its place. When Jesus returns, the tombs are going to split open, but it's not just going to be a few tombs in Jerusalem. 
That's what happened on the first Easter. It was, it was a few tombs, a few people, maybe the great patriarchs, I don't know, somebody who had believed in God in the past came alive and appeared, and, and they appeared for a short time. They probably died again, and they're still resting in their graves again in Jerusalem this very day. But when Jesus returns, the Bible says every tomb is going to get split open. Every grave is going to be emptied. Every one of us, no matter what state our remains are in, are going to be put back together again, even as Jesus were, and we're going to have to stand in our bodies before our maker who made those bodies and who made those souls. Jesus said it this way, when the son of man comes back, all the bodies in the tombs are going to hear my voice and they're going to come alive. Some are going to come alive to everlasting death. Others are going to come alive to everlasting life. And Jesus says, what makes the difference between the two is how you respond to my voice now. Those who hear my voice now and come alive spiritually, right? The tomb of sin's got to be broken today over your life, now over your life, so that you come alive spiritually if in that last day when the earth shakes for the last time, you're going to come alive to everlasting life like Jesus did. I want to end on a, an encouraging note this morning. Because, you know, have you ever said this? I don't see a future here. Have you ever said something like that? Like at your job? I don't see a future here. Well, what does that mean? Or, 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 or you know, sadly, this happens in, in marriages and happens in all kinds of places where, where people come to the conclusion, I don't see a future here. What does that mean? No hope. I'm giving up. I'm throwing in the towel. Despair. I'm giving in to all that is negative. I'm, I'm not le le leaving any room for any positive. There is no mega joy anymore. There is just absence of joy. Jesus, when he rose from the dead, gave to every one of us the inability to not see a future anywhere in our lives. Let me say it again, because I said it in a double negative way. <laughs> Jesus, through his resurrection, gives you an ability to always see a future. There's always a future in every area of your life. Always a future. Don't you know that in your relationship with God, there's a future? Uh, religion doesn't just have to be a dry, dusty, ritualistic, dead, cold, stuffy thing for you. It doesn't have to be. You say, well, it is. Well, it is for a lot of people, but it doesn't have to be because Jesus rose from the dead. Uh, the angel said to the women, you're in the cemetery, but he's not there. <laughs> uh, some of y'all, when you come to church, if, if you feel like it's a cemetery. Well, guess what? Jesus ain't in the cemetery. You got to leave the cemetery personally. To find where Jesus is, right? You got to leave the cemetery personally. Some of you, when you think about reading the Bible, it's like walking in a cemetery. It sounds like the dullest thing on earth. It doesn't have to be that way. Jesus is not in the cemetery. When you hear his voice, you hear a living voice, a roaring lion. You can actually right now have a face-to-face, heart-to-heart relationship with God. That's available to you because of the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, don't you know that your life and your body and the situations of your life has a future? 
Don't you know that? You say, well, my body's getting worse by the day. Join the club, right? Well, all of us are there. Our, our bodies break down, and they break down more and more rapidly as we go. And yet, what, is the, what does it say? What does Easter tell us? Death and decay does not have the final word. The tombs will break open. The bodies will come out. The things in your life, down to your health, down to your mental state, down to your relationships, all of those things have a future in the hands of Jesus Christ. Because he who died and was raised is, is able to touch anything and make it live again. And one day his voice will shake the world and make it live again. You do not have to, I want you to hear this because this has been the kind of year where a lot of us could easily slip into despair about death and fear. I mean, people, some, a lot of people are chained to fear. You don't have to be chained to fear. You don't have to live behind the stone of regret. The, the heavy stone of shame and guilt for your sin. The, the heavy stone of mourning and pain. You don't have to live behind that forever. It can break open. Because Jesus' tomb broke open. Don't you know that there's a future for your joy because of Jesus' resurrection? Sometimes we have, like the, like the guards, like the centurion, we have just fear, not fear with mega joy. We have just anxiety, not anxiety with mega joy. Just despair, not despair with mega joy. What this is telling us is as Christians, being a Christian is not about wearing rose-colored glasses, but where you don't ever feel anything negative. It's not that. I mean, the women felt it just as the soldiers did, right? They felt the same fear. Uh, and, and Christians aren't immune. You're going to be afraid sometimes. You're going to be anxious sometimes. You're going to be, you're going to feel despair and sadness sometimes. We all are. But here's what Christ offers you. Not a magic wand to make it all go away. What does he offer you? A mega joy, a mega hope, a mega peace, a mega love to get mixed in and out with all that mess so that you can always find in your life a way forward rather than down or rather than back. Don't you want that? Don't you want that this morning? If you're somebody listening and you're not sure what you believe about Easter, and I, I get it. I mean, like I said, Easter is that kind of event that if you're not, if you don't believe it, you should hate it, right? Because it, there can't be any neutral ground. And so I get if you, if you say, man, I'm totally skeptical. I don't think this could have ever happened. But I want you to at least think honestly in your heart, how is life your way going? How's it working for you? How's it working? I guarantee you on this matter of having a future, it's not working. I guarantee it's not. You say, well, you don't know me. Well, I, I, I know myself. And I know I don't know a single thing about death, my death. When it'll happen, how it'll happen, what will happen after. Apart from Jesus, I am clueless. And that very fact chains me to fear. Chains me to despair. Come to Jesus. I urge you, come to Jesus. He's the only one that can turn that into mega joy.